Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Saxa Podcast, The First Five Years. I'm one of your hosts, Agassi Rodriguez, coming at you from Clemson University. Hi, y'all. Erica Aguiar here, coming from the University of Florida. Agassi, happy Thursday. How you doing, friend? Happy Thursday. You know, we are, uh, I almost said we're, we're flirty, 30, and thriving, uh, just for the alliteration for the Thursday, but we are none of those things just yet. Um, but we're doing all right. We're doing all right. It is Friday Junior, which means tomorrow is Friday Senior, which means that the weekend is almost here. So all is good with the world. How about you, girl? You know, I am good. I am great. I am caffeinated. And I can't be, I can't be angry at any of those. So I'm, I'm happy to be here today. We are also happy to be here. Uh, so for welcome back, everybody, to our, our little pod on the block. Uh, to this week's uh, challenge word for Erica that she will have to integrate as part of our conversation. Um, I decided to give you an easy one that I felt like you could pun with uh, or just play with. So in honor of fall and spirit of fall, um, your challenge word is gourd. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I could do it. Easy. Go. I got yep. you. Got it. Thank you. Thank you for giving me. What was last? The last episode, it was... Exurb. It was, it was rough. I still got which, it, but... Which is an area outside of a suburb. Look at... Miles, our producer, just teaches me so much in casual conversations that I have to, like, Google things, and I love it so much. Um, but I learned. Look, and isn't that what's important? So that is your word. Don't forget. I won't. Okay, boom. Thank you, though. Don't worry. I so got welcome, welcome, everyone. Every time you say new pot on the block, I just think of that song from the 90s, like... New kids on the block had a bunch of hits. Chinese food makes me sick. And that, yeah, I don't remember the name of it, but New Pot on the Block. We'll, we'll come back to that. That might be our, uh, that might be our theme song. So welcome everyone to the first five years. Excited to continue our arc about pulling back the curtain and talking about the things that matter most to you. And as always, we hope to bring you some timely information based off of the calendar year and providing a public voice for graduate students and new professionals in student affairs and higher education. And who's doing that today? We've got Caitlin Walsh joining us on the pod. Caitlin serves as the Student Organization Data Specialist in the Office of Student Organizations and Activities at the University of Kentucky. In this role, she supports student organization services and registration serves as the campus administrator for the university's anthology platforms, Baseline, Engage, and Insight, and coordinates office-wide assessment efforts. And if that's not enough, Caitlin is passionate about student access to technology and the impact technology has on student retention and persistence. Outside of work, Caitlin enjoys exploring her home state of Kentucky, running and pursuing a doctorate in higher education at UK. I didn't know that last part. Welcome, Caitlin. Woo! Thanks for having me. Yeah. Wow, a whole uh, doctorate. That's amazing. Yes, just getting started, but have been enjoying the coursework to keep me busy during um, COVID and quarantine. So really enjoying um, being able to experience the online coursework with um, my fellow undergraduate students as well. I think it's kind of cool for what you do, though. You're, you're living it while it's happening, and who else can relate better? Right. It's been a fun experience and really excited this semester. I'm having a class with a former student employee and it's her first semester in the master's program. So it's been a full circle student affairs um, education here. We love that. 
That is absolutely great to hear. Uh, you know, there's no better time to catch up on readings um, and do some introspective and reflective writing um, for a graduate program. Um, as someone who's also part of a part-time grad program, lots of time indoors to catch up on the reading that needs to happen before class. So I definitely commend you for the doctorate. Well, thank you. Well, we're so excited again to talk to you a little bit more about what you do and how it's been impacted by current times, but Listeners, you all know that before we can get to that, I got to know, Caitlin, what's the best thing you ate this week? I tried to eat some really exciting things leading up to this, um, but not sure I hit the mark on the head, but been really enjoying making like extensive breakfast and like breakfast bowls. Um, so had a really good one this weekend. We have a um, community farm share um, that's sponsored by work, sponsored by UK. So enjoyed one this weekend, like some farm fresh tomatoes and onions and microgreens. So never eaten so many veggies with breakfast, but have been enjoying a solid breakfast bowl. That sounds delicious. I'm a big fan of breakfast. I can eat waffles at any time of the day. I'm a waffle person, which is, I feel like I connect very much with like Leslie Nope from Parks and Rec on that. I love me some waffles. Um, if anybody would ever like to give me a waffle maker, here's your chance. Go for it. Birthday's coming up. Uh, microgreens. Ooh, okay. Fancy. Uh, but I, I'm a big proponent for the, the breakfast bowl. And Agassi, what did you eat? What, what is the best thing you ate this week? Not the general, what did you eat? You know, that's right. I forgot that I also have to respond. Uh, might be, might be. Um, you know, I, I don't think I've had all that exciting food. I will say, though, a fan favorite from Trader Joe's is their frozen uh, gnocchi a la gorgonzola. Big fan. You put it in a pan, you heat it up. That thing comes out great. Uh, didn't know I was a fan of gorgonzola until I started eating this gnocchi. Big fan repeat customer that is the best thing what about you erica i'm not a fan of gorgonzola so i will not be trying that item but i actually have talked about this food before but um i'm talking about some tacos that i had so this is just it, tacos are my favorite food my favorite food and i'm glad i got to have them. I had a really really rough day a couple days ago on tuesday and the tacos just healed me. And so I always get al pastor, street style, and it was definitely the best thing I've eaten this week. Well, glad you had a space to talk about it. D Agassi, sir? It sounded like some really gourd tacos. <gasps> she took her thing. She took my Catch thing. up, catch up, Erica, I catch up. We're in the first five minutes. She's 3,000 five years. You're 2,000 and late. Okay, Water. anyway. Anywho. Rapid, rapid fire, let's go. Rapid fire, rapid fire, let's go. It starts with me, actually. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> so, Agassiz, when did you last sing to yourself, and what were you singing? I am always singing. <laughs> I am... I'm always singing. So I'm trying to think of what is the, the best time because I like to sing as I'm working. Um, I, I will say yesterday I was in quite a musical mood um, and I was listening to a lot of, uh, a lot of you know, a lot of Broadway hits. Uh, did very much poke into some Waitress. Um, so some opening up. Um, we love Waitress. We're a big fan. I don't know all the music all that well. Uh, and I also had some Legally Blonde mix in there. I know I've recently talked about Legally Blonde, but it is one of my go-tos. Um, so definitely I've been, I've just been singing a lot of, 
a lot of musicals to myself. Big fan. Huge. Good job. A plus. Huge. Okay, Caitlin. So as someone who works in student organizations as well, I know sometimes we see our student org community and we see some student organizations and we're like, wow, that's interesting. I didn't know there would be a club for that. And here it is. So what is the most interesting student organization that you have come across in your experience? This is um, a combination of like one of the most interesting and also just I have a really big love for the student group on our campus. And this was pre the app. So we have a really successful Pokemon Trainers Association at Kentucky. And this was pre Pokemon Go. They have been just like a solid, consistent student organization at UK with meetings multiple times a week focusing on the card game, on Pokemon Go, on the cartoon and the anime. It's just they bring me so much joy and they're also very consistent in getting their paperwork in in a timely manner and they show up to retreats so um, they are a great group of students on our campus and are still active at this time so i always love giving them a shout out big fan of the pokemon trainers association a hundred percent we love organizations that achieve their mission achievement and also that get their paperwork in on time as someone who used to work with registration that is that goes miles so that is awesome <laughs> awesome all right i think i have the next question so erica if you were a potato product what would you be and why okay all right i would be gnocchi and here's why i love gnocchi that's a pretty simple answer but there are some restaurants that I think stick out to me with their gnocchi items. And those are my favorites. And I'm going to name two of them. One of them is the top. It's a local restaurant in Gainesville, Pesto Gnocchi. She's 10 out of 10. She is a star. And she's normally a double serving. The other one, and I will not take any questions on the topic, is the chicken and gnocchi soup at Olive Garden. I love me some soup, salad, and breadsticks. So that's my potato product. Thank you so much. Thank you. I won't argue with either of those. I'm a big Olive Garden fan, so here for this. Okay. I Among the friends here. I wish the listeners at home could see me just like react on mute sometimes as I'm like clapping and snapping to everything you're talking about. I miss the top so much, especially their corn nuggets. Oh, the corn nuggets. Uh, so good. Well, now we're going to put that thing down, flip it and reverse it. Caitlin, if you were given the choice of anyone in the world, who would you want as a dinner guest? And this could be for someone alive, someone who is no longer with us, um, famous or not. Okay, that was really tough. Um, but the first person that came to mind is Chris Evans. Um, big Marvel fan, been working through the series of movies during um, the, co the quarantine time, so, um, and have recently discovered that Chris Evans does a lot of activism work and advocacy, and so I've been diving in a little bit more to that, so superheroes on the screen and in real life, so um, I'm sure there is a lot of people I'd love to dine with. That's one that comes to mind, relevant in my quarantine movie stream. I'm a big fan of that. That's so good. Chris Evans, if you want to come on the pod, you just let us know. We will... We will make it work for you. We will find what kind of topic we can tie to it. Just come on, we'll figure it out as we go. Figure it out. Love it. Love the plug. All right. Um, oh, cool. So I'm up again. So I can see, um, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? 
Oh, that's a good one. I think the best piece of advice I've ever received is that it is okay to ask for help. You are not weak because you ask for help. You are not any less than because you ask for help. Uh, and I feel as a first generation, you know, graduate and someone who is a first gen prof new professional, a lot of times there are spaces where it's like, well, I don't want to seem stupid or I don't want to come across them. And I definitely still have those feelings, but also I think countering that with, it's okay to ask people for help and to ask people for things um, and for them to ask you for things. So definitely that. I think that is awesome advice. Okay. And to wrap it up, Erica. So Erica, we've been friends for a long time now, right? It, it, this is true. This is true. This is true. These are facts. Uh, when did you know that we were going to be friends? Ew, what? Oh my goodness. Okay. I want a recording of this for posterity, <laughs> for my life, for my, my future children. Okay. <laughs> so Agassi, as you know, um, one of the things that's very important to me is the seven year rule. So they say that after you're friends with someone for seven years, you're friends with them for life. So Agassi is one of, um, actually like right now, my only college friends who's made that mark. Um, I've got another really group of close college friends who won't hit it till December. So Agassi has been in that club for a bit. Agassi, I think it was, we actually, so Agassi and I took a training class to teach the intro to UF course. And I think the, the time that I knew that we were going to remain friends was when we worked on a syllabus project together. And it was you, me, and Aldrika Everett. Hey, Aldrika. And I just remember working on it and being like, this guy's cool. And then I found out at that same time that you were living in the same apartment complex as me in the next year. And then you lived um, catty corner to me and then you were just never getting away. So I think that was when I was like, yeah, we could like be more than campus friends. And now we have done quite a few things together. So love you friend. And I might even just cry a little because that's exactly what I would say. No <laughs> was, way. Was us working on that project together specifically. Oh. Look at us. Uh, okay. Wow, feelings, oh my gosh. So thanks everybody for participating in our rapid fire section. We are now transitioning to our favorite little game on our pod, name Scott. Boom. I do have to say, I have listened to some of our past recordings. I do think we're hitting it. I don't know what we're hitting, but we're oh, that's hitting good. it. Good to know. Yeah, it is good to know. Helpful. It is good to know. So for the listeners at home, uh, name that Scott. I get to ask Erica and our guests to correctly identify an institution based off of its mascot. Uh, important to note, all these institutions are in the Saxon region, and I always try to provide some uh, detail about the institutions, when they were founded, and also trying to connect where the institutions are located and maybe where our guest uh, is from, where they live, where they work, um, so on. So in honor of our guest, uh, a Kentuckian, we are doing institutions in Kentucky. Boom, boom, boom. So, and I'm so excited because I get to talk about one of my favorite mascots, actually. So the first one, the name of this mascot is Big Red. Yes, Western Kentucky University. Yes! <laughs> I didn't even get a chance. Not even a little bit of a chance. Good job, Caitlin. It's such a unique one. So as soon as you started the description, I was like, it's got to be Big Red. Big Red, absolutely. The spirit of Western Kentucky University, the Hilltoppers, the Lady Toppers, 
absolutely. I have known about Big Red for a very long time as one of the most interesting mascots in the U.S. If you are not familiar with what Big Red looks like, please go and look, uh, look them up. I'm sorry, they are gender neutral. Uh, but please look them up. Quite a ride. Uh, but Western Kentucky University is a public university founded in, Erica, you're going to love this, Bowling Green, Kentucky. In the wrong Bowling Green. The wrong Bowling Green. The other Bowling Green. Fun fact, I did accidentally ship a package to Bowling Green, Kentucky while I was living in Bowling Green, Ohio, thinking, no, there could be multiple. There were multiple. There can be. Awesome. So for our second institution, this institution's mascot is, well, they are the Knights. Um, the name of the mascot is Valor the Knight. Bellarmine University. Ding, ding, ding. Class of 2012. Ah! <laughs> that, feels, that feels like a little bit too. You yeah. gave it right to her. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know. Well, well, Caitlin, let's hear some facts about your undergrad alma mater. <laughs> well, they just had a birthday. I might be a bad grad here. I think it's 70 years old. Institution is 70 years old. This is the Valor only got a name within the past academic year. So when I was a student, it was just the night. And so Valor having a name, very exciting, um, very exciting. I'm also, my dad is a graduate of Bellarmine College prior to the university transition. So we are um, both, both nights from Bellarmine University. I love that so much. We love, we love that, we do, we do. Uh, it's, and I'm so glad you said it because let me tell you how I had to look up multiple YouTube videos on how to say the institution's name because I knew that it could not be Bellarmine or Bellarmine or Bayarmine. Like I was, I was, I was like, I had to look up videos of students doing some kind of thank you advancement video to be sure of how exactly. And then I put a pronunciation guide in my script, but I'm so glad that you said it because I think I still would have messed it up. <laughs> Fun fact about Bellarmine for any Twilight fans, um, Robert Bellarmine is from Montepulciano, and um, that is where they filmed all the like, castle scenes where Bella is running across the courtyard. I can't remember which movie it's in, but for any Twilight fans, Bella, there is a Bellarmine connection to the Twilight movie series. It's, it's likely New Moon. <laughs> Thank just you. Wanted, I, just, I think it's probably New Moon when she travels to chat with the Volturi um, before Edward almost um, gets taken out. So I am getting a lot of so do side we have, eye. Erica, I did not know you were a Twilight fan. How are we not oh, talking about this? Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna share an embarrassing fact here. I saw the first Twilight movie in theaters 13 times. <laughs> I did see all the Twilight movies in theater premiere nights, but not 13 times. You didn't waste all of your money on it? To be clear, to be fair, I had, I had many, I had a lot going on. And I am embarrassed by it, but I think it's funny to share. Erica, what was the going rate for like a movie ticket? Well, in Spring Hill, Florida, where I'm from, it's likely about six or seven dollars, but times 13. I did also make shirts for the premiere, and it was a baseball tee, and mine said 17 forever on the back, and the last name was Cullen. I'm obviously Team Edward. And so I'm so excited to transition to our next topic, which is <laughs> away from Twilight, because I really just embarrassed myself a lot. 
Absolutely not. Honestly, you gained some points. Uh, there's a whole new other level of conversation that I, I need to have with you now. Uh, especially now that I know that your team, Team Edward, like we, we got a chat for sure. But we'll talk offline. We'll talk offline. Perfect segue, though, into our question section. So, uh, of course, now we've arrived at the point where we are going to get to chat with our guests and learn more about what our guest does and, you know, some of the challenges or successes or some of the things that have been going on during COVID times in higher education. So, first off, Caitlin, you know, can you give us an overview of what you do in your current role? Absolutely. Um, so in my current role, I oversee some kind of student organization operations, which includes supervising a newly created position, a coordinator for student organizations. So we've had that professional for about a year and it's been a really great transition, um, as well as general involvement initiatives, which, um, including supervising our peer involvement advisors, as well as working on working with our retention staff on just campus-wide involvement initiatives, making sure our students are getting involved and connected to appropriate resources on campus, um, and overseeing office assessment and analytics. So kind of a wide variety of things within um, the Office of Student Orgs and Activities. Sweet, thank you so much for sharing. Uh, I know, uh, Caitlin, we've known each other for a little bit, and also you've been shouted out by Anthology, formerly Canvas Labs, quite a number of times for your work. So I just want to give, give you a little humble brag because I have seen your name on some award screens pretty often from Anthology. So you go you. You were doing the, you were doing the thing. Um, we love to celebrate. This is big. Did exactly. not even know Canvas Labs had a new name. So I am learning yes. something. Anthology. Yes. Oh, well, thank you. We love awards and gold stars at UK. So we love applying for things and love seeing our names in the lights. Um, so thank you. It's been very fun working with Campus Labs, Anthology's um, Engage platform. And so at UK, we got a lot of athletic spirits. So we call our platform BB Involved, like Big Blue Nation. So really playing on the campus um, spirit um, with our involvement. Well, I think, you know, the question that is going to be probably so broad and so hard to answer, but I think you'll knock it out of the park. What are some of the ways that student organizations have changed during current time? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think the thing that jumps out at me most about student orgs right now is their resiliency. I mean, we actually year over year have seen more student organizations register this current semester than we have in the past, I think, two fall semesters. So to see that they are going through so much transition and trauma during this time, but still taking that active role to register their student organizations on campus um, has been really impactful to see. And um, we recently, prior to the COVID health pandemic transitioned our entire registration process to be virtual um, so that students we were seeing we have more satellite campuses as well as just our large campus students weren't able to maybe make it to a physical in-person meeting from 30 to 45 minute walk on the other side of campus so we had already previously transitioned everything to virtual and it really I think has benefited the students particularly in the past six eight months so that they can still register from wherever they were whether that was another location this summer or not feeling comfortable to be physically on campus this fall. Um, so we are really excited to see the students still register. We're still seeing them have events, which is really exciting. I think something that has changed is virtual events for student organizations and 
the creativity of our student organizations with the question earlier what kind of organizations have you seen register i mean that always blows my mind the creativity of student orgs um, and what the new topics can be but also the creativity of their events right now um, and how they are connecting with students in virtual ways and things that social media can do that i have no idea whether that's doing live streams or just doing all sorts of polls and things on Instagram, they're figuring out so many new ways to engage new members, to recruit, just making sure that student organizations are a place where students can still belong on campus. So they've really taken a lot of initiative at UK. That's a theme that we have seen that they have really stepped up to make sure there's still community on campus um, in terms of both the health pandemic and the racial injustices that we're seeing. Um, they are just taking so much initiative and not waiting to be asked for support or um, but they are stepping up and asking or they're creating spaces for students both physically on campus and in a virtual capacity. So been really impressed by the different events that student orgs are putting together online and in person. Absolutely. I know one of the things, you know, also working in student organizations and working with our engaged platform as well, we call it Tiger Quest. I've seen such an increase in the number of organizations that put their events on Tiger Quest, uh, starting with, you know, with everything that's happened in the social online. And it's been cool because I think it's just brought a new level of visibility to their events that I wasn't sure of, you know, I think working in student organizations, you know, you are help, you're there to help and support, obviously, the student org community as a whole, but that doesn't mean that you know every organization intimately and that you know what their events are. So to be able to, like, log on and just I, sometimes just scroll through and be like, oh, wow, you know, like, this organization is having, like, a meeting about this. This organization is getting together to write thank you cards for X cause. It's been really cool to see how students, you know, at, to your point, have, have kind of moved things online um, and still served as, like, central hubs for their members. I know I've had student orgs reach out saying, like, what can we do? What can't we do? Like, we just want to know how to work between the lines. And I mean, it's, it just shows that they're, they're still wanting to do things, which is like, you know, half the battle sometimes. It's getting them to a place where it's like, I want to be engaged. I want to do things. Tell me how I can do those things. I think we're in the same place that we've seen the number of events posted on our engaged platform increase. Like even since March, our like year over year looking every month has just gone up. Um, really appreciative of the anthology support to get new features like the online events and the virtual fair and i think that's just provided great resources for our students um, we use google analytics to track views on our engaged platform and we have seen the views skyrocket and that's been really cool to look kind of at some specific organizations that we have maybe never heard of but they're getting views on our engaged platform and so I usually try and take the time to shout them out, whether it's in a meeting or reach out to their presidents directly and say like, hey, you had top five student org views this week on BB Involved. Like, you're doing great work, just really appreciative of the time you've taken to have this event posted or to recruit new members. And I think that's been something that has really helped a new technology tool that has helped us really enhance our engaged platform and enhance those relationships we're building with student orgs because we've been able to connect with groups that we haven't connected with on that same level before, but they're getting views on our platform. So we need to make sure we're shouting them out, providing them resources and using them as an example for other organizations that are maybe newer to the platform or newer to set an example for other orgs on campus. One, one thing that I think I was surprised by, because I'm certainly not in the student orgs world, so I'm very excited to hear more from both of you. 
I really thought beginning this year that there would be kind of a decline in engagement, right? People have so much going on and who wants to be on Zoom for something else? Who wants to do another virtual event? And I, I think that this is just showing us that yes, there's lots going on for so many students and also the need for connection and to find a way to meet people and to, I mean, just do something is, is huge. And I especially think, you know, the class of 2024 is beginning college in the most interesting way. And I'm hearing from them, well, I'm, I'm finding student organizations and I'm trying to do all this stuff because I, one, I'm just sitting in my residence hall room or, you know, I'm learning from home. And I, I mean, one student said it and I thought it was so funny. They were like, what else am I going to do? And I think that's true. Like you don't really have the other option to do lots of other things. And so I think engagement right now looking different, but is huge. And we like our students are looking to make community and it's, it's cool to see that not only you have that, but also that you have the numbers to be like, and here's actually what students are doing. Cause you know, that's so, so, so important that you can track all that. And I think, you know, I think you talked touched on this a little bit, but I, I'd like to hear sort of more from your perspective as an, as an employee and as someone who's running all this. How do you think some of your work has changed during, you know, COVID and, and moving online? I think the support that we provide student organizations looks a little different, especially when I want to make sure to consider that the student orgs are individual students and their individual student leaders that are taking time to provide this support and provide this space for communities on campus. I mean, so I think that support looks different. So how can we meet them where they are virtually? So our coordinator for student orgs, Ben Starr, great new professional, has come up with a lot of new and creative ideas for meeting the student orgs where they are, whether that is virtual office hours? Do we leave flyers just saying hey and saying thanks in our physical spaces for student orgs on campus? Um, what new resources can we provide online like making more our graphic design services? Those requests have gone up um, we think because that's a resource that they don't need to be physically on campus for. So we have just been seeing those virtual resources have more access um, and be more utilized um, over the past few months and so just supporting the students and coming up with creative ways to support them virtually and um, having Zoom drop-in hours or offering pre-recorded workshops. Um, one of the initiatives we took over the summer was um, we did a BB Involved boot camp. Um, so helping the students prep for the transition to being online and making more robust pages on the Engage platform. If they weren't maybe gonna be in person to table, how can we support them to kind of have an online table on the Engage platform. So we've created a lot of pre-recorded videos where students can watch five to 15 minute long videos where they don't have to sit down for a whole hour. They don't have to pencil it in, in their day in between classes, but maybe at the end of the day, or they can watch it together in an executive team meeting. So trying to find resources um, that students orgs can do kind of on the go. So that has definitely changed the thinking we've done. It's also transitioned to priorities. Um, so during the past few months, my actual MJRs, my major job responsibilities in HR have shifted um, and been rewritten. So to take on a larger focus on assessment and analytics. So something that we saw within student organizations on our office holistically um, was the need to have a heavy, like a more 
robust support for analytics and collecting information and telling the story of student organizations and our office as a whole. Um, so we have those pieces in a lot of different areas within our office, but how do we pull them together and say, this is student organizations and activity story at UK. This is how we're supporting students um, on this campus. Um, or these are the things we kind of see that we might need to fill a gap or we need some, the students need something else on campus. So that's been really exciting to be able to take on a little bit more of a role with that and identifying um, just different pieces and markers that we can utilize, whether that's in our Engage platform, um, to look at who hasn't logged in yet. So if they haven't logged in yet, have they been able to connect with a student organization on campus if they have not used um, their campus login in different systems on campus? So just being able to use some of the numbers to create visuals and tell the story of our office um, so that we can connect with more students and have our story heard, um, both at an administrative level, but also to reach the students on campus and say that this is important, like getting involved, even right now, even if it's another Zoom meeting, we wanna be here to help you create community on campus. Um, so that has definitely shifted um, my role a lot um, throughout the past few months, especially with um, that coordinator position that I mentioned starting just about a year ago, um, the professional has exceeded expectations and really allowed me to take on some additional roles that just kind of happened to fall during a pandemic. You know, no better time than to take on new responsibility than in the middle of a pandemic, am I right? You know, we're just, what's another pivot at this point? You might as well just throw it in there, just throw it in the back, let's go. Uh, I love hearing you talk about, you know, obviously, you know, meeting students where they're at and the transition, I think, of what, you know, priority shifting, I think, has happened because I, I think that's something that I would say has happened in my, in my area of work as well, I think we're also trying to figure out, you know, where are the students who are falling through the cracks? You know, we have traditionally a involvement fair that has 5,000 new students. And of course this year it was online through the virtual fair option, thanks to uh, our friends at Engage and the Anthropology, um, Anthology, oh my gosh, my bad, uh, whoops. So the virtual fair option was great, uh, but again, you know, how does it compare to the traditional fair, which is 5,000 people, there's excitement, there's energy, and the fair was you know folks sitting and folks felt like oh i i only talked to like one or two organizations organizations uh sharing some frustrations feeling like we didn't recruit the numbers that we normally recruit so again how do we fill that gap and how do we start connecting to student organizations to potential new members i will also be transparent saying that i definitely already took two notes from everything you're saying um because this is great for for me as well to consider my own work um because again we one of the things that I find difficult about working with student organizations or the challenging thing is that sometimes it does feel like a moving target because there's just so many of them. So like, how do we get in a space or how do we create a space where they feel like they can come and talk and then we can understand, okay, is this like you individually are having an issue or is this like, oh wow, there's like 20 organizations who are having this difficulty. We should create a resource because you know, with everything happening, there's always, there's, I feel like there's only so much time. So it's like, okay, we need to make sure that we're investing our time in creating something that's going to do the most maximum good. And that's not to say we won't sit down with an organization to talk through challenges they're having. But again, it's like, is this a one-on-one -on -one conversation or is this, hey, we need to come up with a workshop or we need to come up with a guide because a lot of people are asking about this X thing. And that means that we need to provide it for everyone. And sometimes, you know, we, we talk, I have a student organization that I advise the student organizations and outreach committee. And they help to also talk to organizations that advocate for student organization needs. And even sometimes they're like, 
well, let's just have a meeting and tell everybody to come. And I'm like, okay, like, how are you going to get 500 something plus people into like a space? Um, and then, you know, we can get into conversations on like research and a representative samples. And maybe my uh, producer slash supervisor can help me with some of that research stuff as I'm learning. Um, but yeah, sometimes it's just challenging on how do we collect that information from students? And by the time we collect it, are they still having some of those difficulties um, potentially? I'm going to, I'm going to pivot us because I want to, I'm sincerely asking you all this. Like, I'm, this is not me like lobbying an easy one. I'm really curious. You know, we've talked so much in, in current times about grace, right? And I think we talk about it as professionals to give each other grace that, um, you know, I typically say like, I'm, I'm working at 70% capacity and we're being asked to do 150% work. And we tell our students that, well, we tell our faculty, give your students grace. Everyone is struggling. And I just don't know that I've heard that talked about, about student leaders. And I think about these student organizations, Agassi, you mentioned, well, we didn't bring in the numbers we want. And, you know, for many of these students, when they were brought in as like president or treasurer or whatever, this is not what they thought. And so I just wonder how we are talking about this with our students to say, it's okay if you have less events going on this year. Yes, you should still be engaging, but it's okay if it looks different. It's okay if you don't have numbers for things because people's priorities are in a different place. Like sincerely, I, I have not thought about that until this moment. And I'm like, gosh, I feel like I need to email some of my student leaders. But I just think that this brings up an interesting point. Like, I think we forget that students, student leaders are still students. And yeah, there's not really a question in that, but I'm putting it in the middle and we can talk about it. I think that's a really important point. I mean, we talk about that with some of the organizations that are housed within our office. But I mean, I think that's important. How are we addressing this with the larger population of student organizations and students? You don't have to be a member of a student organization or be involved to be overwhelmed right now. To think about the trauma and the health that students are having to navigate right now with um, the pandemics that we're experiencing. I mean, like, yeah, what kind of grace are we having with those students? How are we connecting them with the resources? As well as the expectations piece, I think was huge. We've had that conversation a lot in our office, um, particularly with our student leadership internal to our office. And you might not have as many people come to an event because they might not be comfortable coming to that. Or we've had to shift even capping attendance at events. So you might be used to having X number of students attend this event, but we actually have to cap it at this because that's the new capacity of the space. Or we need to just make sure it's accessible to a specific position um, population of students could because it's a part of welcome week or it's a part of orientation i mean i think that's been really hard and a challenge but um on our campus our students are i mean stressed um and still operating at like full capacity it feels like some days so i do um think that's a really important point to think about like once as this continues but also once the pandemic is over um, what does that look like for student leaders and also do we adjust back to a new new normal how does that impact their health and their well-being but also their position as a student leader I think the balance is always pivoting for those students I have definitely seen some student leaders rise to the occasion in during this time and in 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 such phenomenal ways I really have and I've just I, you kind of touched on this on the resiliency piece, but I have just seen some students and student organizations as a whole, like really step up to the plate um, and, and try to be that resource and that level of support and get creative with it, exactly as you were talking about. And I, not that I 
personally think I had a hand in any of that because some of the organizations I, I see by chance, but I'm like, that is like awesome. Um, and again, it's how do we highlight those organizations that are doing great things and almost like trying to encourage organizations like you can do these things too and we're here to help you. I know sometimes the messaging that we try to instill and kind of going back to your question, Erica, directly of like, you know, how do we translate that to senior organizations? I, I almost think it's in, in the way that we talk to them at a very basic level. You know, it's if I'm emailing with students, a lot of times I'm like, hey, like, how are you doing? Uh, which is, I think, so basic, the, hey, what's up, how are you doing? But they might not have other people who are asking them how they're actually doing. Um, because we are, you know, we are in a space right now where, like, you can't casually drop into someone's office, right? So, like, you can't do, I, I, I think I've mentioned it in this space, or I definitely have talked about it with Miles. I really miss, like, doorway conversations, like, conversations where people are just like, oh, you're in your office, and just kind of stand at the doorway and and chat with you and I know students would do that and come into our space and that's not happening you can only sometimes talk to each other when you schedule meetings and then that feels kind of official so again I I think going back to that I know with the student leaders that I work with who lead organizations or, or hold those leadership positions it's always with the, the lens of like how are you doing first and then we can talk about the business like I want to know how are your classes are you okay um, Recently learned that two of my students who coincidentally live together have both been potentially exposed um, and now have to go get tested, uh, which is always a, uh, interesting when I remember that they both live together. So they're like, oh, I have to. I'm like, oh, me too. I'm like, oh, wait, what? Uh, but again, it's okay. You know, take care of your stuff. Like we can figure out the other stuff. We can reschedule a meeting. If you don't feel well, just let me know. And I think prioritizing the fact that things don't have to be executed right now. But if you want to execute things, I'm here to help you do those things. Um, or you can do that, you know, or empowering you to go off and do them. Um, but again, it's what do you want to do? How can I help you do it? Thank you for being willing to kind of go with me on that journey because I, I truthfully just have not thought about it. And, and I think, you know, obviously, as you said, checking in on people first and I think listening for their answer and that when the student's like, I'm good, like, tell me more about that. What, you know, what, what's, are you having a good day? And then someone's like, actually, like I just didn't really pull you on an exam or I'm really struggling with X, Y, or Z. And I think, you know, this conversation's pivoted a little to students. Uh, I mean, that's kind of the whole point of all of our jobs though. It, it's just, it's such an interesting, I hate using the term interesting. I'm sorry, it's not interesting. It's on fire and everything is harder. And I'm, I'm just, it's not interesting or fun or unique. It is trash. My, my two cents, but I, I appreciate that we can, like highlight that things are great, the students that are rising to the occasion, the resiliency, and also give them space to be like, yeah, things have dropped off the radar, sorry. And that's okay. And that's, you know, that's where we're at. And just, hey students, if you're listening, we care so much for you. We care so much. I hope you're doing okay. Sincerely, truly mean that. Um, my last question, Caitlin, as we sort of wrap up, what are some things that you wish your colleagues or other folks that you've worked with knew about student organizations and the work that you do right now and, and how it's changed? Yeah, I mean, I think to your point before, I think what's really important about the conversation about student orgs is that they're students organizations. So that means they're students first. Um, and that comes with a lot of responsibility of academics and maybe part-time jobs to pay for college and all that comes along with being a student first. Um, and so student organizations are not just like a marker to like tout that we have 550 plus and put that on a poster, but who, 
who are the 550 plus student leaders and student members that are in those student organizations? Because like we think about it, if we're saying we have 500, we require a minimum of three officers to start an organization. At minimum, who are those 1,500 students that we're representing on our campus? Um, who are they? Where are they on campus? And can we make sure they have resources to not only excel in their involvement, um, but as a student? Because if they weren't on campus, we wouldn't have these organizations to begin with. And I think that's really important. Um, a very wise professional on UK's campus, she leads our retention efforts, executive director for first year initiatives. And she starts every single meeting with, all right, we're about to talk about numbers, but when we put up these graphs or we talk about X number or this percentage, every part of that is an individual student. So like, we're not just running towards a finish line, um, but who are the students behind these markers? Um, and so I think that's really important. I think about that when I'm working with student organizations and if I get to support one student leader, I know that they're supporting a whole group. And so making sure that that student is um, feeling represented and feeling like they have a place on campus, I think is really important when working with student organizations and just seeing who's behind the groups. Um, like getting to know the Pokemon Trainers Association has been like a really fun part of my student org journey. Like I got to learn a lot um, working with them, but also more about them as individual students. Um, so I think that's been really important to me as well as just like their resiliency. I think just seeing them rise to occasion or seeing them needing to take a step back. We have, like I mentioned, seen year over year more groups register this semester, but we've also heard from a few groups that said, hey, if we don't register this year, will that impact us? Because we're just not really in a place to operate right now. And we don't want to have our name on, on BB involved if we're not gonna be able to be there to support more students. Can we register next year? Absolutely, like take this year for yourself. Let us know if you have questions about registering next year. That's not a problem. And so I think, um, just embracing the students where they are and making sure that we're providing the adequate resources for their organization, but also for the individuals as, um, as they are students. What a wrap up. I mean, Caitlin, thank you so much. I think this was such a good conversation. Agassi clearly took some notes. And I, I think I say this every time, but I just feel like I learned so much from, from hearing from both of you and, and all of our guests. So. We so, so, so appreciate you coming in and sharing a little bit more about what you do and the rock star stuff that you're doing um, at the University of Kentucky. So thank you. Thank you for taking some time out of your day to be with us. And as always, thanks to everyone for joining us for the first five years presented by Saxa. Pew, 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 pew. Pew, pew, pew. Thank you so much to Miles Soret and Erica Lee for producing this episode. Hey, if you want to know more about Saxa, I'm going to tell you. The Southern Association for College Student Affairs. My coffee is kicking in right now. You can feel the, the ramp up. We're on all the things. Facebook.com backslash Saxa fan page. Twitter at Saxa tweets. Instagram at Saxa grants. You can find me, Erica, at Twitter, on Twitter, at Erica M underscore Aguiar. That's A-G-U-I-A-R. Agassiz, we can find you at at Agassi underscore R, that is A-G-A-S-S-Y underscore R. And where can our guests find you, Caitlin? I am not a good social media or a tweeter, but if you want to talk more about student orgs or anything, you know, as a new professional or SACSA, you can email me at studentorgs at uky.edu. We love it. We love it. 
Thanks again, everyone, for listening to another exciting and riveting episode. And we hope to see you soon. We hope you hear us soon. I we hope know. you hear us soon. I think that's a good We thing. hope you hear us soon. There, there we go. go. <laughs> Bye, Bye everyone. everyone.